Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. Monday edition is here. OutKick 360. We are Let's certainly ready. Let's go. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. 6th and Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Will Kane. Co-host of Fox and Friends and the Will King Podcast. He will join us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to uh, that conversation. Plus, Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports AQ. He will uh, be on the show in about an hour and a half. Looking forward to catching up with Brad there and plenty of NFL reaction. Craziness throughout the weekend. A great weekend of football with fantastic finishes. So many, it's tough to really rank. And that's true because of how memorable these will be for years to come. Uh, but we start with what was a fantastic finish and a, a messy moment that ended the uh, World Cup with Argentina winning the World Cup this year. And Chad, what a scene it was. The scene in Buenos Aires for the celebration was remarkable. And Argentina gets it done. It's the perfect ending for Lionel Messi, um, who immediately has been called the GOAT after winning this World Cup. But Hutton, in, in soccer... You know, one of my knocks on the sport, and this is the ugly American in me, is that you hear these great names of the sport, but so rarely can even the greats just single-handedly or single-footedly yep. take over a game, right? You had that in this, though. Mbappe for France with the hat trick, two goals for Messi. That's what was cool was the star power delivering star performances in a World Cup final, and the two guys who everyone knew – even those who aren't the biggest soccer fans, they delivered that when the brightest the lights, moments. biggest stage for the World Cup. That was really cool to watch. Time for our six topics, six and 360. We're going to go through uh, the top topics of the weekend. We'll start with the World Cup and the scene that was the craziness with the drone footage, Chad, that you sent us. And I know Outkick has this as well. The, the flyby overview of the crowd and the celebration is the most, I mean, it, it's the best celebration I think I've ever seen visually based on the way this was shot. This is one that even the staunchest soccer hater out there, someone who doesn't like the sport that wants to talk about every other sport, not soccer, it's tough to argue against this celebration in Buenos Aires, Argentina, after Argentina won the World Cup. It was madness. I've never seen anything on this level in the United States, any parade, anything close to matching this. It looks like it is CGI. I mean, it does not look real. It looks like something James Cameron You're right. put into the next Avatar movie, which, by the way, looks horrific, this Avatar <laughs> movie. I have no idea why any of you went and saw this piece of trash. I didn't watch the original. It looks so oh, bad wow. to me. But either way, wow. that looked bad. But what happened to Argentina looked terrific. And what a match it was in the World Cup final with Argentina taking home the World Cup. The Vikings have the largest comeback in NFL history, down 33 to nothing at halftime against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts' defense and special teams did literally everything possible to 
go into the locker room with a victory at halftime. And then Matt Ryan and this offense for Indianapolis did nothing, nothing throughout this game. They needed one play. They needed one score, and they could not get it. And the Vikings outscore the Colts 36-3 to in the second half and then win in overtime as time expires for the greatest comeback in NFL history. Wow. What, what a massive moment for Minnesota where everyone's saying, oh, they're pretenders. Well, no. I mean, they, they went from being the joke in the butt of Twitter and social media on Saturday, Chad, to turning things around to being go, man, maybe this was their turning moment where everyone realizes their their capabilities. Kirk Cousins threw for 460 yards and four touchdowns, and they went from being the joke to turning things back to the way they've been most of the season, making the Colts the joke. Uh, they're <laughs> yeah. the punchline now with Jeff Saturday, with Matt Ryan. The two biggest collapses... Two of the biggest choke jobs in the history of the sport. Falcons 28-3 ahead in the Super Bowl, lost. Matt Ryan, quarterback of the Falcons. Biggest regular season choke job in history. Saturday, 33-0 lead. Blown. Quarterback, Matt Ryan this time of the Colts. Hutton, that's the type of history you do not want to make oh. if you're a quarterback. Yes, and you know, his... His post-game presser was about as expected, speaking of Matt Ryan, where it's like, ah, you know, um, of course we want to we wanna make a play and just we, we couldn't find that one play. But I, I don't know how. And Jeff Saturday was post-game saying, you know, I was telling my guys it's 33-0, but man, this is, this is a team that can come back. And I'm thinking, man, how, how do you let that happen? They had a – go through everything they had. Pick six, they had the punt block, fumble recovery. They, they did everything – in that first half to put it away and and send the Vikings reeling to where San Francisco would have the two seed today. No, it's the Vikings and they pick up their 11th win. They're now 10-0 and in one possession games. It was incredible and it really just got kicked off what was a, an amazing a week, a weekend of NFL football. And I talked earlier in the year about how the NFL was somewhat lacking at points in the early stretch. Uh, that was not the case this weekend and it led to Sunday where we had maybe one of the craziest all-time endings in NFL history with the Patriots making one of the most boneheaded plays I've ever seen against the Raiders. And they went rogue. Giving the Raiders to, to win. Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers both said that was on them trying to make a play. It was not called. It was just a draw. They didn't. Belichick said they didn't go for the Hail Mary based on the, the field position. 24-24, final play of regulation. At worst, you just go to overtime. And for whatever reason, they treated this situation, two players, like it was they were down at least a point and they needed a score, but they weren't in field goal range. We know how it ended. The Raiders picked off the lateral that was intended back to Mac Jones and returned it for a score as the as time expired. Raiders win and the Patriots are likely going to miss the postseason because of this loss. I cannot imagine being that dumb as a player. I thought, when I first heard that they were taking uh, full blame for it, I'm thinking they're covering for their coaches who tried to do something cute at the end of the game. But then I'm thinking, okay, the coaches can't be that dumb. Maybe the players were just that dumb in the moment or or just maybe they didn't know the score. Maybe they thought they were behind. I, I don't know how Maybe they it's didn't a case of one guy thinking they were behind, Ramon J. Stevenson, pitching it back to Myers. And when Myers got it, he freaked and panicked and tried to continue the lateral move and then ends up throwing it to Chandler Jones, 
who and runs it back for a touchdown. And we yards. saw the real-life Heisman Trophy move by Chandler Jones just easily throwing Mac Jones aside and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Well, I, Crazy I've heard, moment. I've heard the I've heard others say ultimately this is on Bill Belichick. But let's let's think about it. does Bill Belichick really need to tell his players not to lateral on this play? Yeah, these are professionals. This is not high school ball here. You're you're going to overtime. I this was crazy, and it's to me it's more impactful because it happens with the Patriots and with Bill Belichick. But it's it's not on Belichick to have to tell a professional, especially these starters. For the season, hey, don't lateral on this final play and don't throw it to Chandler Jones who can return it for 48 yards. Made no sense. And, I mean, they coach situational ball in the preseason. They have a, a practice devoted to it. Every team would. This is not one of those things you have to talk about at this point, at this stage of a, of a football player's career. Well, they call it a draw. It's a play they've run a lot with Stevenson. Uh, has he ever tried to just randomly flip it back to a teammate on a draw play? That's what's so odd about this yeah. is that's the play that was called. If there was no discussion about pitching it back if someone's open or trying to extend the play, then why would you do anything different than you've always done, which is run the football to the open spot, <laughs> run as hard and as far and as fast as you can away from the line of scrimmage down the field and hold on to the football at the end of the run? Craziest ending ever. It's up there. I don't know if it goes down with some of the more classic finishes that the nation was watching like in the playoffs. Not many were watching this game, but we won't soon forget this one play and how things ended in the Patriots, again, on the outside looking at the playoffs today. Chad, the Florida Gators, we were curious how they would come out and play. They end up getting boat raced by Oregon State, 30-3 to the final. The spread was 10 at kickoff, and the Gators completely no-showed. Did you, have you seen the clip of the, the Florida pass rush? where they don't even pass rush. They just, at the snap, they stand up like it's a Pro Bowl. Yeah, not only did I see this clip, I had the misfortune of watching this football game, which was a terrible, terrible, just no-show performance by Florida. And I watched way too much of this game. This is the downside of bowl season. This was a Florida team that some of their best players got asked to leave, others left for the draft. And they, there were maybe four or five guys out there that really cared that wanted to play in this game. And outside of that, they didn't want to be in Vegas playing this bowl game against <laughs> no. Oregon State. Oregon State gets to finish up a great season for them, 10-3, and 9-3 and three coming into it. There was one team that was motivated to continue playing with each other. There's another team that's looking to the offseason. What motivates Billy Napier and his Florida Gators program right now is what's going to happen tomorrow on National Signing Day and what they're trying to accomplish in the transfer portal. And part of that transfer portal is getting the trash out mm -hmm. of the Florida program. And that's what Billy Napier is trying to do. I'm not going to give him a pass for a bad season, but it is year one, and it's pretty clear that what Napier wants to do, he's got a long way to go to do it. And to do it, he's going to have to get rid of some of the guys that's on this roster. And I think Saturday night was a good example of that. Joe Burrow threw four touchdown passes in the second half. The Buccaneers turned it over four times, and the Bengals come back down 17 points. They score 34 unanswered, down 17-3 at halftime. And ultimately, the Bengals win this game 34-17. And the win gives the Bengals the upper hand in the AFC North now. They also have an outside chance of getting the number one seed, believe it or not, with three games to play 
one of the hottest teams in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now look at the Carolina Panthers, who control their way into the postseason. I was on Dan Dockich on Don't At Me this morning. He asked, what's the AFC team that you just don't want to see in the playoffs? His example was the Chargers mm-hmm. and the way they're playing with Justin Herbert. So that's a good one. I said, now, if I'm allowed to take anyone that's not the number one seed and say, this is who I do not want to see in the playoffs, it's the Bengals right now. They are playing great. They are the defending AFC champion. It would not shock me in the least. I know right now it's Buffalo 1, Kansas City 2. Hutton, it would not shock me if we're seeing Cincinnati go to a second straight Super Bowl by they're, the end of they're January. They're built for it. Yeah. They're built for it. And I I mean, Buffalo certainly is. Kansas City, yes, definitely. Cincinnati's right there. And I, I think the difference here, Chad, Cincinnati can win in so many other ways. Like they've got a run game they can lean on. They can be down 17 and still win the game. No different than Buffalo or Kansas City. But they've also got a a defense that is middle of the pack that continues to improve week to week. And they get the turnovers and and ultimately shut down the Bucs on the road. It's a solid win for Cincinnati. And now, based on Baltimore's loss to Cleveland, they're controlling the North. Um, The uh, final thing with the... uh, six and 360 before we get to uh, Will Kane. Dansby Swanson, mega contract. I looked at these numbers. Everything's a mega contract in Major League Baseball, but everyone is uh, printing money for the bank accounts. And we had Michael McHenry on last week, Chad. He said, hey, it makes sense that Dansby would want to be in Chicago. He fits that Cubs roster and that overall franchise mentality. And uh, yeah, he's, he's now the starting shortstop for the Chicago Cubs. He gets $177 million to do so. Also offered by the Dodgers. Um, A little surprised that if he was going to leave Atlanta, he wouldn't go to L.A. and join up with Freddie Freeman and be on a team that's going to be another World Series favorite instead of joining a rebuild in Chicago. But he's there with a nice long stretch seven-year deal. So he gets to see, you know, hopefully a quick rebuild for him and back in contention quickly. Um, Great move by the Cubs. A little bummed out for my Braves. I'm a big Dansby Swanson fan. Yeah. He's very much a throwback type player that can do everything. Um, he's a throwback guy. He's a guy you almost expect not to wear batting gloves when he comes to the plate because the way he plays the game. But so do you he's going to be a big uh, loss for the Braves. Is he the new Ryan Sandberg in, in Chicago? Um, I'm trying to think of who was, uh, who was the – so Ryan Sandberg was second base. Sean Dunstan. Okay. I believe it was a shortstop. He's more of a Sean Dunstan. They got a great second baseman there with the Cubs also. But, yeah, you know, the, he does hearken back to that Mark Grace, yep. Ryan Sandberg, grit-type era of Chicago Cubs baseball. A true old-school guy who can do a little bit of everything, just helps his team win. I like it for the Cubs, hate it for the Braves, but they've got Vaughn Grissom waiting in the wings who had a pretty good start to his career yeah, this not, year. Not bad. Uh, coming up, Will Kane joins us, and uh, we'll discuss some of the topics we just hit there in 6-360. and We'll also get some thoughts on the new-look SEC in a couple of years, uh, his thoughts on the World Cup finish, Mike Leach, and more. It's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience 
and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Will Kane will join us momentarily. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Chad, the bigger stories across the NFL include the Jacksonville Jaguars. Come from behind win. Dramatic finish there as well in Jacksonville, winning in overtime on a pick six, incredible interception return, and it's a 40-34 to 34 win for Jacksonville over the Dallas Cowboys, and now they control their path to the postseason because the Titans continue to lose, and here, here's, uh, here's Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence winning game by game, and they have a chance to actually win the AFC South, believe it or not. You know, I know Brian Dayball is going to get some strong consideration for, for Coach of the Year and others, but if Jacksonville continues this and goes on a run and wins this division in the final week of the season, Doug Peterson needs to get a lot of votes He will for NFL Coach of the Year because he inherited a mess from Urban Meyer. He also inherited a young, talented roster that's gotten better each and every week. They're playing really good football right now, especially on offense, and Trevor Lawrence – Looks like the real deal. We thought he was going to be coming into the league. Coming up, uh, we'll, we'll chat with Will Kane in, in just a moment. The, meanwhile, t- the Titans are going in the opposite direction. And this is a team now that they were kind of surprised to learn that Jacksonville was a game behind them now after the results in Los Angeles to the Chargers. Chargers got a, a really big win as well for a wild card option. And they've had back-to-back wins now over AFC opponents with Miami and Los Angeles. And or excuse me, Tennessee, and, and all of a sudden Los Angeles is in the mix where they should be. They're they're now playing like the team we thought we'd see. I thought the Titans were much better in this game against the Chargers on the road than they were at home against the Jags the week before. Defense played inspired. They got one big drive late from the offense, but all of those warts we've talked about for weeks with this team still exist. Offensive line is terrible. No wide receiver threats at all for the Titans. Now they've got to beat the Texans at home, I think, to have yeah. a chance at winning the division. Will Kane joins us, host of the Will Kane podcast, Fox and Friends, and more. Will, uh, more memorable finish from the sports weekend. Is it the greatest comeback from the Vikings over the Colts, or do you think years from now we'll be seeing the replay of the Raiders, Patriots, and how that ended? Which one do you think is actually number one? Raiders, Patriots, without a doubt. Now I'll put one personal caveat to this. I pay for Amazon Prime, NFL Sunday ticket, uh, direct TV stream. I pay streaming services probably approaching a dozen. I mean, I don't know how many I pay for, and somehow I still don't get the NFL network. So I can't sit here today and tell you that I saw 
in real time, the Vikings come back, but I did watch the extended highlights on the NFL Network YouTube page. <laughs> I was there live watching, I mean, not in the stadium, on television, Patriots and Raiders. But I also think that's the mind-blowing nature of that play will be the one that has us talking about it for years. So is it just a cable package thing? Do you have to have the old school <laughs> cable? Because I notice a lot of people on Twitter complaining about not being able to see NFL Network. Is this a problem for all cord cutters? Is that the issue? That is, it a direct t- is it a direct TV thing? Like, you know, I've cut the cord, but I do direct TV, AT&T, direct TV as sort of my cable yep. package where I get local news and news and, you know, the local broadcast games. Maybe it's a fight between DirecTV and the NFL Network, but for years, I I don't know. This has been a problem for me finding that one singular network. I, and by the way, it's not a problem most of the time because I don't care about the game that's on the NFL Network, but this time I cared and this time I didn't get it. Will Kane with us. Well, and to, to your point and emphasis on the Raiders-Patriots finish, it also factors in which team made that mistake and, and that decision. And In real time, I'm thinking, this had to be a call. At 24-all, I don't know why it was a call, but these laterals don't happen just on a you know a flippant move by the players. Turns out they did. And it was Belichick's players, which makes it even more impactful to me, the fact that Bill Belichick's team did this. This wasn't you know something that we would see uh, across the league from uh, a team that continues to make all these mental errors. You know, it's not the team with the first pick of the draft, for instance. Yeah, playing like they were losing, and the game the <laughs> game was tied. I mean, situational football, special teams. These are all the things that are supposed to be the hallmark of a Bill Belichick team. You know, and I would tell you, it's the first weekend of my fantasy playoffs. So I was watching that game with like, like every other game this weekend, divided loyalty. So I had Ramondre Stevenson and yes. I needed him to. So I was excited. Oh, they, they handed the ball. To, look how he broke it off. Look, he's got another 20 yarder. This is great. And then all of a sudden my, my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> You know, also, Will, I'm watching a lot of these uh, post-game press conferences over the weekend, and I'm hearing so many different cliches from everyone in the NFL, and even some in in college football after the bowl games, and I'm thinking, man, I really miss Mike Leach even more now when I hear some of these press conferences. Um, What a guy, what a character for all of sports, not just football, that we lost with Mike Leach. Um, He was so impactful in so many different ways. It's difficult to assess, but I think just the the freedom he felt to speak his mind and do it in a way that only Mike Leach could do it, to me, is one of his lasting impacts. What what did you make of Mike Leach and his great career? Yeah, and I and I think that it even extends beyond sports because I don't know that you can find that many characters just in general that exhibit that level of independence. You know, I think I've talked about this on the Will Kane podcast. It's certainly been an idea that I've been interested in, the idea of FU money. Like, when do you get to the point where you can truly be free to be independent? And I've come to the conclusion that there's no such thing as the notorious FU money. It doesn't exist. The richer that people get, the more they seem to care about keeping their riches. I thought about that a lot when it came to, for example, John Cena. You've seen John Cena sort of toe the line of the whatever's required of the Chinese Communist Party to keep the money flowing in from China. Here's what makes Leach so interesting. Um, I don't know that he ever really achieved freedom, like where I can do whatever I want and there is no price to pay. He didn't operate in the recruiting realm the way that so many other coaches do. You know, he didn't care. He didn't really even target oftentimes the five stars, even the four stars. He made his money. He made his his way on like two and three stars. 
And um, so therefore, he probably didn't have to constantly be measuring every thought, every action, every step of the way. How does this impact me on the back end bringing in recruits? He he wasn't he didn't always get along with administrations. It didn't go well in the end at Texas Tech. And so the point I'm getting at is I don't think that there was anything in Mike Leach's life that made it so he could be freer than you or me. He still had the types of restrictions and accountability that we would use as excuses to not be independent, to say what we were supposed to say or to hold back what we're not supposed to say. He just said it all anyway, because it was truly authentically who he was. He was so authentically quirky and unpredictable, but most importantly, in my mind, independent. Well, and for about 10 minutes, he had the Tennessee job back in late 2017. And I'm always curious about what it would have looked like with with Mike Leach at a job like Tennessee, or just name a top 20 job nationally if he had that chance. But because he was so independent and free-thinking and free-spirited and said exactly what he wanted, he was probably never going to get one of those jobs. And Will, you bring up a great point about Texas Tech. He didn't apologize at Texas Tech when they tried to fire him with cause. He didn't say anything nice about the James family on his way out. He fought it. And I feel like because he fought it the entire time, he got to continue being Mike Leach. If he would have done what most coaches would have done, and okay, what what I do for PR? Do I need to put out an apology and move on and try to get the next best job? No, he sued them <laughs> when they fired him. And that too is, I think, authentically Leach. Yeah, because he's probably incapable of what you're describing. Um, yeah, he was incapable apology. of... He's, he's he, incapable, he, yeah. I don't think he's incapable of an apology, although, you know, every tribute after his death said that once it Leach dug his heels in, he was stuck with whatever it is he had had decided. But I don't know from a distance and I'd only interviewed him once, but from a distance, um, I don't think he kind of thought of himself as a man above apology. But it would strike me that he wouldn't give an apology unless he thought it was one that was deserved. And and so I don't even think it was in Mike Leach's, you know metaphorical playbook to say, all right, if I do X, that means the outcome is Y. I, I mean, I think he just did X and you could, you could ask him at any given moment, Hey, what is X? And he wouldn't dodge it. I mean, we could do the silly stuff, right? About marriage or candy or whatever. And he would not laugh at your question and not say it was stupid. He had a theory on it, but I, I tend to think it could have been on anything. You know, did you read the, did you guys read the tribute? It was in the athletic of all the former Washington state quarterbacks together talking about what quarterback meetings were like. It was insane. Two hours, three hour meetings. And they would mess with each other. The quarterbacks, you know, going like, you know, one of them had to be somewhere. So another one would go, Hey coach, what do you think about the economy? And he'd pause the tape. Right. And it would loop on the one play. They said it would loop on one play for 40 minutes while he explained the intricacies of higher interest rates. You know, I mean, whatever it may be. He accepted the invitation for X because X was all he could do. Just whatever was real in that moment. Who's the next closest coach to Mike Leach right now? Okay, uh, well, only because I'm sitting here on live yeah. stream with you guys that I can't sit here for 10 minutes and think about it. So I'm just going to tell you the first name that popped in my head. And it's not a coach. Um, but th- like, And this is back to my point about how exceedingly rare I think it is in in coaching and sports and life in general. Like the next name that pops in my head is Barkley. Like I think Barkley is an independent, authentic human being who isn't weighing pros and cons of what he has about to say. As for a coach, I don't, I don't know. I mean, 
Do you have a name? I mean, like, well, that's a, that's a Belichick credit. Doesn't I care. think that's the point. That's though. a credit like, to Leach. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, Belichick doesn't care what you think of him, but he's definitely yeah. weighing the pros and cons of the effects of what he right. has to say well, on his own personal here's, situation. Here's a loose cannon you know about in the state of Texas, Will. That's a Leach guy. A name that comes to mind is Dana Holgerson, who's a bit of a wild yeah. man and will say anything. Yeah. Will go live on live on Instagram, you know, smoking a cigar <laughs> by his pool after a game and talk about the game with fans. Um, it feels like if Gardner Minshew got into coaching and I saw Gardner Minshew get <laughs> emotional talking about what Leach meant to him taking a chance on him at Washington yeah. State and how he would not be where he is right now without Mike Leach, I'm thinking that's the next Mike Leach. Give Gardner Minshew a Division One coaching job and he's probably the next Leach, but it's a credit to Leach that we can't immediately think of someone that's, that's like him. And, 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 here's the and you thing, know what? Well, the, the other thing is yeah. that the next the guy who speaks his mind in, in coaching is Dion, but he's not universally loved. Like he poses some threat to other fan bases, so they don't love him the way everyone loved Mike Leach. So I don't, I don't, I, I'm going to say this as though I I'm dismissing or have some dislike of Dion, and it's not true yeah. at all. I really like Dion, but I'm not yet convinced that what I get with Dion isn't affected. Do you know what I mean by yeah. that? Like. They're like, has he done the internal calculation of does this seem cool or how does this play? And and that, again, is part of what was so unique about Leach down to the way he dressed to to everything, the way he combed his hair. Nothing was put through the filter of how does this play? How do I look? It was all just real. And to your point of it's so hard to find another name, by the way, a good name is Holgerson. But um the, the the reason it's probably so hard for us, yes, those people are hard to find in real life, period. But it's even harder to find those people that have somehow made their way through the filter mechanism that is big time power five or even, you know, division one college football or any successful corporate enterprise in life. There's just too many other middle managers who would weed out that level of authenticity as I don't know, whatever. They don't like it. And for some reason, they can't control it. So we should probably say those people exist. They just have to go found their own companies and do their own things. It's hard to fit into existing structures. Such a great point on Dion. The one thing about Dion is, Will, I, f I feel like, boy, there's a camera rolling an awful lot of times around him. Yeah. There's no, there's no mistaking how there's always, even that moment caught where he's consoling the tight end who dropped the pass in the celebration right. bowl. I'm like, this seems a little manufactured. And Mike Leach wouldn't have even allowed that. Uh, he didn't want the behind-the-scenes stuff on him. He was who he was, and he was also refreshingly old school. You're right about Dion. There's something a little too practiced yes. and calculated about his message and what he's doing and who he is, where it's almost like they're trying to Blair Witch Project it to make it look like it's behind the scene found footage and really it's all an acting job and a production. Well, okay, but but I don't want it to all be negative about Dion because what we're doing is we're highlighting how positive or unique it was with Leach, right? Yeah. So the truth is everybody is more like Dion. You know, probably down to you and me. For sure. And Dion just happens to be really good at it. You know, I think, look, I think Portnoy, Dave Portnoy, is an incredibly talented sports media figure who always has a camera around him as well. It's it's not to say he's not real at all times or that it's all manufactured, 
or that it's a negative in any way. He's really good at that. And Dion is really good at what he does. But it, what they're doing is different than Mike Leach. And, and, and they're both rare. I just happen to think what's more rare is the Leach example. Will, when you think about your Texas Longhorns joining the SEC and prob- uh, probably a year early, this is going to happen. Are you excited? Are you anxious? Are you all of these things thinking about the prospects of Texas in the SEC? I'm excited and I'm sad. I'm going to give you both. Okay. So I said this and I stand by this that um, I think I put the year, gosh, I think at the time I said within five years of joining the SEC that Texas would win the SEC and therefore be in a conversation at least of winning the national championship. Um, I still believe in that, but mostly because I have a little bit of a time window built in, <laughs> you know, like, um, but I do think Texas is, I do think Texas is on the right track. Uh, I, I do. I, you can hear the hesitation in my voice because we've got the right recruiter. We've got the right offensive coordinator. I'm just not sure he's the right guy as head coach yet. I want him to be, I'm just not a hundred percent sold just yet. So I'm excited. I'm excited to play in the SEC on the flip side. And I, and I expect, I expect success. So I'm excited and I'm not worried the whole, look, you're going to get destroyed. OU's going to get destroyed. You're going to get exposed. You're going to lose to Mississippi state nonsense. You know, yeah, there'll be years where Texas is a barely above 500 team. And though I promise you SEC fans, there will be years when Texas is, you know, 10 and two, 11 and one, I promise you that's going to be their future in the SEC. But the sadness is this. Okay. I believe both of you guys, I can't remember where you're from, but I think you're both Southern boys. Yep. And, and yep. that, so you can appreciate this. I like regionalism. I like provincialism. Okay. I like going to Thanksgiving and having a family member that went to TCU and to Baylor and to tech and to Texas. And we're all talking trash. I love that. Even if TCU and Baylor and Texas tech aren't as good as LSU and Georgia and Tennessee right now. Um, but I, I know we're losing something and no one, even my friends in Texas don't want to hear this argument, but I, I do know it. I know we're losing something. I loved the Southwest conference. I love the provincialism. I love Texas. And so it makes me sad to sort of see Texas and, and for that matter, Texas A&M and even Oklahoma distance itself from this thing that we've had this. It's, it's like a family reunion and cousins. And then the two biggest are going, we're going to join a new family. It's better family, but we're joining a new family, and it makes me a little bit sad. You know, I often wonder if NIL was around when Peyton Manning was in Knoxville at Tennessee, what was what would his worth have been? And then I compound that and think, okay, what if Peyton had a very famous, not just dad, but two uncles also that were big-time celebrity NFL quarterbacks? Then what would the value be? And then I say, oh, that's Arch Manning right now. <laughs> And he would have a high value anywhere he went, but specifically Arch Manning as the Texas Longhorns quarterback, just how valuable Mm. is that for both Texas and the individual brand of Arch as he goes to Austin? Well, I don't know. Do you know? Because I can't put numbers around this NIL thing at all. So the rumors that I've heard about Quinn Ewers, for example, are really high. Multiple millions of dollars, right? To... And and you brought in all the name recognition stuff. And Quinn was a bigger recruit than than Arch, to be honest. I mean, in terms of uh, you know rivals, twenty four seven, all that ratings. I mean, Quinn was Quinn Ewers was in line with like Andrew Luck, you know, and Peyton for that matter. As far as can't miss, unfortunately, right now it looks like he is missing. I hope he can turn it around. 
But Arch isn't quite on that level. But of course, to your point, he's got the name. So if Quinn is worth, I don't know, let's do a ballpark, right? Is Quinn making $3 million a year? I don't know. I think. I, well, I, I can tell you this. It, at Tennessee, they've got the player that's ranked right behind Arch Manning in all the rankings. It's one that's or Nico. two Arch and Nico. And he's, every report that's out there says $2 million. So let's go two thinking that two, $2 million is now the set going rate for one of the top four or five quarterbacks. It's five-star guys in the country. So Arch would be worth double that. I, I Yes. Double. At least. Um, easy double because of his last name and and what that's going to mean for television exposure to the program. We'll see about, you know, the recruiting tail on Arch. I mean, there is some tail. We've already seen it with this recruiting class. But, uh, you know, I have no idea where this NL money thing is headed. So, and by the way, I actually haven't heard reports about Arch getting any big NIL deals. I, I, I mean, I do not think the Manning family made that decision based upon how much money they could make at the University of Texas. And so therefore, I've heard no reports about you you did hear it with Quinn Ewers. You do not hear it with Arch Manning. What do you think is going to happen with Chris Beard? So look, I'm a I'm a nut fan like you guys are. I think are both of you Tennessee guys? What what, what are you guys? Uh, I, I went to Tennessee. I, I am a Tennessee guy. Hutton Hutton is sort of indifferent. Yeah. Well, went I, to MTSU. I, yeah, I root for the storyline. Uh, more than I do the team. Is that is that awful? Uh, but both SEC guys. Yeah. Well, no. It just makes me super sad for you. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't I'm even know that belt. kind of sports. <laughs> I had this conversation with a buddy of mine this weekend. Um, I'm a big soccer fan. He goes, you know, like a lot of Americans, I just don't get it. And then he said, I was watching America versus Netherlands, and um, I had an emotional vested interest in it. And all of a sudden, it's like the Matrix unlocked, and I got it. And I yeah. said, that's sports for me. Since I was a kid, I have to have an emotional tie. That's the worthiness of a bet for me. That is, I'll watch a random game, and I have a kid like this. I'll watch a random game, and I have to pick a team to root for. I just have to have some emotional skin in the game. I'm not one of these guys who just says, I watch it for the love of the game. But... uh. Um, uh, so the point is I'm all the way in on Texas. I read every message board on multiple different pay for sites and it doesn't look good for Chris Beard, like maybe in a short time frame, in a week or two, which by the way is crushing because I, Texas was set up to be a national championship contender yes. this year. And really honestly, to probably be on like a 10 year run as a national championship contender, they had two more five stars headed in the year after that. Beard is a proven commodity. Like he, you, I think Beard is definitely. Uh, five, I don't think five is overstating it. Like a top five coach in the NCAA, and th th it can't be overstated how destructive this is for the universe. And look, I understand the whole. Oh, I don't know anything about the crime. I, I know you know what I've read, right? I don't know if it's real, if it's not. I know that there was a victim that has recanted the testimony, but that often happens in these cases. So really the only level on which I can speak about it intelligently is as a fan. And so I'm not trying to force that prism onto this serious story. It's the only one we can talk about right now. And it's totally destroying the, the program where I'm a fan. Will Kane, host of the Will Kane podcast. Final thing for you, Will. I, I've, I've said the Dallas Cowboys don't need to be in the Odell Beckham Jr. camp here because I think they're going to go further in the postseason if they focus more on the run. You add Odell, I think it takes away a bit of that mindset. Uh, and this is a, a Cowboys team that can run on anyone in the NFL. And I think they can go further postseason-wise. They're in it now based on what happened uh, yesterday. If they don't force 
Dak to, to pass to guys who are going to demand the football. Do you agree or disagree? And are you on board with Odell and what Jerry Jones wants to do? So this, so again, this is probably like uh, such a reflection on the power of being an emotional fan. When I was at ESPN, I said this, and and I was right. Um, Odell is a he's not good for any team. Now he won a Super Bowl last year with the Rams, and maybe he proved me wrong to some some extent. But um, I'm not saying he's a locker room cancer. I'm not. He's not Antonio Brown. He's not any of those things. But drama, unnecessary drama, has followed Odell almost everywhere. But now he's talking about coming to the Cowboys. And I'm like, ooh, but that talent, <laughs> that's interesting. What could that be? I don't think the Cowboys need Odell. I don't. I think the Cowboys shouldn't have traded away Amari Cooper and they uh, for a fifth-round draft pick. And they could use... A, Michael Gallup really hasn't sort of fulfilled the need of being that number two receiver this year. I don't think T.Y. Hilton's going to be before the year is over. So they actually could use someone like Odell. But I, I'm probably at this point like, nah. We don't need Odell. Not this year. How do you describe the Will Kane podcast to someone who's never listened? Oh, I appreciate that question. Um, so look, the Will Kane podcast is, I would say, two-thirds news and politics, one-third sports, and a good chunk of my personal life. I talk about me. I talk because that's what everybody wants to hear about, right? My <laughs> life. But to, what I'm really telling you is I try to be, look, guys, since I got into this game, um, you know, certainly when I was at ESPN. And I'm not saying, you know who the answer to the next Mike Leach is? It's Will Kane. But I have tried to say that who I would be is be authentic and be real. So I talk with the audience about the way I arrive at my opinions, which, look, if people have only ever exposed to me through the sports media critic world, they'd say, oh, who's Will? Oh, he's that racist guy that shows up on first take and says nothing is ever racist or talks bad about black athletes, right? Or Will's a far right guy on Fox. Listen, I thought about the reason that I think about the position that I hold on almost everything. And this podcast is an example to work through that process, talk through it. And I promise not a like heavy way, but like a cerebral, I'll tell you the deep dive, including talking about the Cowboys or soccer or the Mavericks or the Longhorns or whatever else. So if Mike Leach co-authored a book on Geronimo, Will will co-author a book on what, Chad? Um, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, Why he's not good for yeah. a team, no. maybe? No, no, no. I think you played no. a little deeper than that. There's a lot of options there for that. Well, thank you, man. This I just wish Leach would have picked... Geronimo's all right. Yeah. You know, he should have <laughs> picked like Quanta Parker, like a Comanche. That's what I wanted. I would have read about Comanches. Geronimo, Geronimo was all right. But, but look, that's what Leach was into. Like pirates or whatever else. Can't take away what a man's passion, authentic passion might be. Right. Will, we had the co-author who's an English professor at Washington State on the show the day that Leach passed away. And some of his yeah. stories about working with Leach and their research together their and process. how he'd get a call from Leach at 2 a.m. sometimes asking to go yeah. through the day's work on Geronimo. Fascinating guy. And he was a fascinating guest, too, that authored this book. So... I think Leach yeah. could have written about pretty much anything. Anything that he got into, right? Anything yep. anything that he got passionate about and fell down that Wikipedia rabbit hole on. Well, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you for the time, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man. We'll Thanks, catch Will. up soon. There's Will Kane. Will Kane Podcast. You can get that wherever you download your audio. Catch him on Fox and Friends as well. Um, coming up, Chad, uh, who we always wanted to be. The college, well, I mean, we were on the. I was on the six-year plan. I don't know about you. Uh, did it in five and a half, and I was my parents were very were thankful for that. Yeah, bummed. I was. Yeah, I was bummed. But there's now a a guy who has grant has been granted a ninth year of eligibility. We'll tell you why and the story behind it. That's next on Outkick 360.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oregon's Cam McCormick granted a ninth year of eligibility. I mean, I've, I've heard of stories of uh, medical issues that have allowed a player to stick around longer than what's allotted there. But nine years is something we might... We're not going to see this for a while. Yeah. It's meanwhile, a, meanwhile the, the Tennessee, Tommy... Tennessee waited how long to figure out if they could get a transfer in this past offseason? Uh, every year it seems like it's an annual circus in, in terms of something with Tennessee here's, getting a transfer. Here's the um, career of Cam McCormick. Yeah, this is the Tommy boy of, uh, of college here. Um, certainly going to be a, an MD by the time this is done, yes. possibly. I, I don't understand the math, though. I'm, I'm looking at this today. And Davey sent this over, and I'm like, okay, redshirt freshman, that's mm. one year of eligibility. In, in 2016. Seizing in the ending injury, you could get that back if yep. it happened early enough in a medical redshirt. Missed season in 2019, okay, that's a second possible uh, medical redshirt. COVID year, okay, got that, right? It's another season ending. So at some point, you got to start the, counting the clock, too, for senior year. All of those granted, I, 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 it's it's mind numbing. But he was one it's of the players at Oregon this could that was hospitalized after intense workouts, and then he was diagnosed with um, a, a a little a, a, a legitimate medical issue. Yeah, that was from like an season-ending injuries from 2018 to 2021, and then also on top of that, the hospitalization. Look, more power to him if he wants to stay and, yeah. and keep playing football. I'm all for it. I'm just trying to do the the COVID year thing. Just really, yeah. threw a wrench into everything. Yeah, because who knows with everyone's eligibility? Because it was so, with COVID and with the transfer portal opening up. I don't even look at classes but, anymore for players because I feel like it's well, all spe- year to year. But speaking of classes, in order to do this, he has to he has to receive academic credit for the scholarship. But he already he already has his bachelor's and his master's. So like, how do you make that work? What more could you do? I don't, I'm sure there's something. He may be Phil Knight by the time he leaves work. <laughs> More headlines next on Outkick 360.